Hello and welcome to Plot Twist. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Gentleman Seeks Bride by Megan Frampton. So this was published in 2021 and is the fourth in the Hazards of Duke series. And full disclosure, we did receive an advanced reader copy from Nick Alley. And again, I don't know how Megan Frampton does it, but she publishes one of these books like every six months. I don't think she's human. I don't think so. But um, once we finish this book, we will be caught up on the Hazards of Duke series. And we'll have to wait until June for the next one to come out. Honestly, I feel like we've been reading these at a breakneck pace. So as much as I've enjoyed them, like, oh, okay, breather. Sounds good. (laughs) Not too bad. (laughs) So the heroine of this book is the sister of the previous heroine and the hero is the best friend of the brother of both aforementioned ladies so this has yes it's got some scenes in the gaming hell that has based the hazards of duke's title but this is by far the most removed from it that i think we've been yeah and there's no like there is a i guess there are dukes i think we see thaddeus like Maybe it's like this much. Yeah. I'm holding up my fingers are very close together. We don't see Thaddeus very much. No. So this is, I think, the least Duke and the least gambling that we've had in the series. But possibly the most sex? I'm pretty certain about that. I think the uh, hesitance in your voice about like, can we confirm this is irrelevant? Yes, most sex. Yes. But I mean, like, we've already talked about how the sex has been kind of the highlight of the first three books. Yeah. So she went all in. She did. Um, to use a gambling metaphor. All right. <laughs> so the book jacket. It's a well-known fact that when a man is in search of a bride, a good dowry is never a hindrance. Thomas Sharp is handsome, well-bred, and desperately in need of a wealthy bride. His father has lost their income. His sister needs looking after. And so, to save them all from a life of poverty, he travels to London in search of an heiress. Enter Lady Jane Capel. After her fiancé ended their engagement two years ago, Jane boldly left her parents' home and moved in with her half-brother, Percy. What does one more scandal matter to a family with such a curious reputation? Jane is independent, but not as well-versed in life and love as she wants. The two of them strike a deal. Thomas will show her all there is to know about the world and intimacy, and Jane will help him find a bride. But the more time they spend together and the closer they get, the two of them soon realize that things aren't so simple when it comes to men and women. This was like a good jacket until the last line. Yeah, it was, it's odd. It's, this is as much as you can say without super spoilers to the degree that they could exist in a plot this with this structure yeah um i think it lacks charm and has a weird last line the last line is really weird yeah well luckily as usual we wrote our own summaries based on a randomly generated number and for this episode the number is 30. you want to kick us off lane sure Fortune Hunter needs pay-the-bills money, not upkeep-the-ancestral-pile money. 
Finding a bride was impossible until his BFF sister vouches for him in exchange for sex lessons. That's it. That's the book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my, My summary is pretty similar. The only way any slightly disreputable man ever gets married in society is by convincing his best friend's sister to introduce him to suitable women. Then they marry each other. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that is like the best friend sister trope, right? Yeah. That the best friend is nervous. Mm-hmm. About the two of them. I thought it was cute that in this book he was equally nervous that they would hurt each other. Yes. Uh, look, Thomas is kind of a really nice hero. Hero. I like. Yeah. So I thought he was okay. I, <laughs> he's he's not historically accurate. I get it. God, no. (laughs) Do I care? In no way, shape, or form do I care that this man cared about women's feelings and wanted to make sure that consent was assured every time. And, uh, you know, like, anyway, his best friends with a gay dude. Like, that stuff just doesn't, I'm sorry. That's the kind of hero I want to read about right now. Yes. Non-problematic cinnamon rolls. Yes. Thank you. You are great in bed. Yes, that's what I want to read about. Uh, so many tropes. Yeah, I mean, to the point that there's a scene in the book where they list how absurd it would be if this was a book and how many tropes would be in it. And I cackled. I was like, do it. Do it, Megan. Do it. Yes. I was so, I, I fell in love with this book when that conversation took place. Yep. I'm pretty sure the A trope here is fortune hunter seeks help netting an heiress and falls for his teacher. Yes. But he's her teacher more than she's his teacher, and it's so good. So there's the kissing lessons trope. Yep. There's it's kind of a fortune hunter. It's the, the ethical fortune hunter trope. I was thinking that. You know how there's like the ethical omnivore? Yes. <laughs> He's the ethical fortune hunter. (laughs) Yes. I think I liked the way these kissing lessons and this like strike a bargain trope happened. Mm -hmm. So she decides to venture out of her comfort zone on her own. Yes. He encounters her and tries to save her from herself and the situation she's put herself in. And she decides to strike the bargain of, well, if you accompany, accompany me and make sure I'm safe in some of these places I want to go, in exchange, I will assist you in getting a, a wealthy woman to agree to marry you. And then out of the blue, she drunkenly is like, and also, you're going to do everything but with me. <laughs> and he's like, he, I love the way it's like written, too, because he's like, he tries to figure out what she means, but he doesn't want to say it, because if it is what he thinks, but it, it, then... He'll be really shocked, but if it isn't, then she'll be shocked that he even suggested it. Well, and I kind of like the choice to just put it all up front in the agreement rather than have the agreement be the, I'm going to escort you places, and then we're hooking up in the carriage. Yes. Like, did I think it felt a little insane and rushed? Yes. Did I love it? Yes. Well, and the fact that it's combined with the brother, with the brother's best friend trope really helps. Because they know mm-hmm. each other. They're very comfortable with each other. They've hung out before, you know? 
Not really. She like clammed up and couldn't find ways to speak to him. And they barely knew each other, according to the setup. Right. But it's not like it was someone she never knew, you know? He's not a stranger. Right, right, right. So, uh, I just liked it. I really liked it. It was super cute. Um, I did think it was an interesting evolution of the series. As we said, like, the central conceit is barely present here. Like, their first conversation where they strike this deal happens in the gambling hell. Mm -hmm. And there's one more scene in that location, but that's Mm -hmm. pretty much it. And then there's, like, one scene with Lavinia, who was the heroine from the previous book. Yeah. One or two, right? There's one scene where there's, like, sister conversations are central to what's going on, but she appears in a couple others in passing. Yeah. But that's about it. That's really it. Yeah. And, I mean, anyway, it's, it is a very interesting evolution. You're right. And it makes me wonder, like, did she think, oh, I created this character of Jane and I want to do something with it? Or if she meant to do this all along. I don't know. I'm interested. Especially to do it before Octavia's book. Right. Well, I, I mean, you and I were both convinced that Octavia would be the one to marry Thaddeus. Okay. I mean, I think both of us thought that that's where the series was going, right? In the very, very beginning, sure. In the very, very beginning. You know, once it didn't happen, we weren't, like, upset or anything. Right. It wasn't like they had moments that we were like, oh, they'd be perfect. It just felt like that was the dynamic these two sisters had set up for themselves. Yeah. So, like, I'm wondering, was that, did she think, oh, I'm going to have a trilogy? And then instead she was like, hmm, actually, maybe. I don't know. Expand the world. Expand the world. Anyway. Yeah. I'm just, it's sort of an interesting thing. It doesn't really matter about my enjoyment of this book because I enjoyed this book a lot. I think this is going to get at specific points I'll make later. I really, really, really liked this book in a vacuum. Yes. I don't think I liked this book as a part of this series. I don't feel like Jane's character transformation worked for me. And the fact that there weren't the thematic elements holding it together, I sort of don't understand why she didn't just rename these characters and give us a different book. Yeah, yeah. It's It's a good question. And I, I think it's really Jane as a character that feels different. Yeah. Right? Because in the last book, Jane was extremely shy and retiring. She was so shy that she needed Lavinia to talk for her. Like, she asked Lavinia to do it. And she also was, like, really, she felt like she couldn't, speak for herself she she was really nervous about just saying yes to go along with people she was really afraid that she would say yes to a marriage proposal even if she didn't want to marry the guy just to sort of smooth things over yep but so I think and it's not just in her relationships with Thomas in this book it's also like she decides she's going to help pave his way in society by talking to strange women. Like that was not her character. She was not, I I got the impression, like I was glad to see her develop a spine in this book, but I didn't get the impression she was ever going to love being in ballrooms Mm -hmm. or even feel at home in them. And that was a shift that was just never explained or delved into. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, I think we're, 
I think we're supposed to think, okay, well, it's been two years since the end of the last book. And in those two years, she's developed some self-confidence. But you're right. It's not examined very closely. It's not even self-confidence. It's also social acumen. She mm-hmm. was never rude. She was never klutzy. She was never a blue stocking. She wanted to disappear into the walls and couldn't because she was too pretty. Right. So, and like, this desire to see and be seen did not feel authentic to the character. Like, her asserting herself and wanting to see more of the world and wanting independence from her parents, I buy. Her as this socially adventurous person, I do not. Yeah. It's... Anyway... It's interesting. But that, for you, is your only flaw with the book? I think it's that in conjunction with... I've talked before, like, certain authors really praising the unique voices of their heroes and heroines. I don't feel like either Thomas or Jane had a particularly unique voice. And I think Jane could have been unique if her characterization had been consistent. Shy heroines who are truly shy and not just repressed are rare. And I think that would have been fun to read. That said, do I ultimately care that much? No, this was a sex book. Yeah. Well, so and like, yeah, I think I thought the characters were a little bit generic's the wrong word, but just like did not have distinct voices. Well, and I think that's interesting too, because I think it depends on there are different authors who have strengths in different places, right? Yeah. And some authors are really good at characterization, some authors are really good at plotting, some authors are really good at dialogue. I feel like Frampton's real strength and what I'm enjoying the most is how she works with tropes, honestly. Yeah. Because she, you can tell that she knows what she's working with. She knows her material and she knows different ways to, to make it unique. And that's what I really enjoy when I'm reading one of her books. I thought this was a very, very, very good book. The points I want to dock are because this was not distinct enough from what was previously established or consistent enough with what was previously established. In the same series. Yeah, exactly. Yes. If this were just a standalone, I would probably be telling you this is like my new favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> is this a sex book? This is sex- Guys, this is a sex book. They are making out very early. And he's trying to resist her, which lasts until there's a hot air balloon. And then it's, it's very good. Oh, my God. That is very good. <laughs> it's not a trope because, like, clearly hot air balloon fingering is not a trope, but it should be. Did it, was I expecting this hot air balloon to get as hot as it was? <laughs> no, I was not. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was. I was. I was impressed with Megan Frampton's kudo. I was like, wow. <laughs> Just the creativity. Yes. The commitment to scene. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, we're going to talk more about the sex. We'll get there. Just know this is a sex book. Before we get there, I just want to praise one other thing, which is that both Thomas and Jane are, like, really hot. They're sort of known in society for being like the pinnacle. He's the pinnacle of male beauty and she's the pinnacle of female beauty. Yeah, they're, they literally bond over not just being really hot, but 
having the burden of society knowing you're really hot. How how tough it is when you're really hot. Yeah. <laughs> and they, what I appreciate about it is, like, I think they both recognize that, yeah, it's probably better to be hot than not hot. But that it does bring with it its own, <laughs> right? It, it's a form of privilege, but it does bring with it its own burdens. Yes. And look, do I want to read a book where the hero and heroine are the hottest people ever of all time? Like, that's not what I read what yes. I want to read all the time. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> yes. But... When I do read it, I, I want it to be something like this. It, it reminded me of um, Regina in To Pleasure a Prince. Regina in To Ple Pleasure a Pr Prince and the Sherry Thomas. Yes, to Beguile a Beauty. Be Beguiling the Beauty. Beguiling the Beauty. Mm -hmm. Yes. I just, I love when someone is like, I'm too hot to live. <laughs> like, like in... Beguiling the beauty, she's getting married, and the vicar is like, "Are you sure you should get married?" He like looks twice at her, and he's like, "You should marry me," you know, at the altar. Yeah, that <laughs> that's hot. how they're, hot. That's how that hot, hot Thomas and Jane are. It's a real bonding it. principle. It's it's just really, I don't know, I don't know. And then. As Lane said, we have kind of blitzed through these books, like really read them. We've read four in the past four months, which is a lot. And I've really enjoyed them. And it's it took me four books to realize that one of the reasons I do or that I have been enjoying them so much is that the way female friendship is portrayed is really nice. Yeah. Like, there's not a single catty, you know, vicious woman that's in these books, right? Agree with that. And I think it's also a great balance between sister and friendship. Yes. Mm -hmm. There is overlap there, but not exclusively. Yes. I don't know. I, I am really liking the way female relationships are portrayed. Yeah, I, I don't think I've realized it, but yeah, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. it, it, I don't know. I was reading it and that the whole conversation where Megan Frampton takes the bull by the horns and is like, oh, yeah, this would be crazy if in one of your books you wrote about a best friend's brother or, you know, my brother's best friend who did kissing lessons and then this and that, you know. Well, on an aerosol and. Yes. And she's having this conversation with her sister. And it, that's when I was like, oh, this is totally a conversation I would have with a friend, you know? But it just felt, I don't know. I've, I'm really liking it. No, I, again, I, I don't think it had stuck out to me, especially in this one, the sex book. But you're right. It has been a consistent theme and it's been consistently well-developed. Mm -hmm. All right. Is there, let's see. Oh, do you want to talk about Percy? Yeah, I do. So I alluded to in the last book, it was implied that Lavinia and Jane's half-brother Percy was gay. Mm -hmm. I didn't love the way that was set up in the book. And I, it went better here than I was expecting. Uh huh. My big takeaway about 
not just his sexuality, but his relationship, he and Thomas are supposed to be best friends and you don't get any equivalent insight. And it's interesting that you just talked about how strong the female friendships are. Yeah. Like this is supposedly his best friend in the world. And we don't get any insight to what they talk about when they go out together. They're yeah. only like, what's the reverse of the Bechdel test? Cause this book doesn't pass it. It's true. Thomas <laughs> and Percy never test. talk about something that isn't his sister's. It's true. And Thomas and Percy do not have a conversation where a woman isn't mentioned. Yeah. And Percy's gay. Like, <laughs> I just, I really struggled. Oh. It had me thinking a lot about a couple of things. One, are all male friendships actually this lame? And is this actually a commentary on that? And like the way they don't really talk to each other, even though they're willing to throw words like best friend around. But two, you know, we talked a lot about what a happy ending has to be in the historical romance world. And I am not anti-happy ending or happily ever after. That's why I read these books. But the definition of happily ever after being married in respectable society with kids is something that there's been a few books lately where I've kind of wanted to push back on that. And I think it's just interesting that Percy's great rebellion is he gets to live with his lover called his friend in his house. And that's like the pinnacle of happily ever after when the whole point of this genre is that's a sad approximation that any good heroine would be like, I won't be your mistress. <laughs> yes. Like, understand but... the social norms of the time, but we're just saying that Thomas rejects all of that and we're fine with it in the name of historical fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. But I mean, Thomas and Jane are living with Percy too. So it's like their happily ever after is that they're living with Percy. Yeah, married with a baby. Yes. They do have I'm a just baby. saying, like, we're the heteronormative happily ever after has become so fucking narrow that I think to a degree it makes the gay background character get in the happily ever after in that like he lives with people who accepts him and gets to keep his boyfriend under his roof seem like a really sad also ran oh interesting yeah that's uh, that's it's not how i read it i actually really liked a lot of how it worked how it uh ended up but like that's just it I this is a cute sex from. book it is hilarious i liked percy as a character i thought the four of them doing like the three men and a baby thing at the end was really cute i can't believe i just said that but, <laughs> but i it's true though it is like I so I think again he and his identity and his relationship worked a lot better for me than I expected it to if I'm being very frank but I I do think it raises more questions for me about tokenization about settling about being accepting of a gay best friend telegraphing more about the hero than the best friend's identity especially when the best friend is also supposed to be someone else's sibling yeah yeah and then I guess it's also interesting because we have read a few books, a few queer historicals recently that have sort of tackled that happy ending and come up with something a little different. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe 10 years ago we would have been like, wow, this was amazing. I mean, I still really liked it. But it didn't break the, the mold. And it maybe doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I didn't hate the way this was done. Nothing about it offended me. It just made me think about yeah. what I expect from 
background characters in a romance novel and progressive politics and realism. And so I think, again, not, not coming down pro or con. Mm-hmm. I just think I, I like it, I thought a lot about the way he was presented and was ultimately curious about why certain choices were made and what they say about our society where we stand right now. But also, are all male BFF friendships sad? <laughs> I mean, that's a very good question. The only other thing I didn't actually care. Again, this was a sex book and it was fun as hell. And this moment was like funny. But. You find out in this book that Jane has been, like, literally disowned mm-hmm. following the events of the last book. And even though Frampton tried to paint their mother as, like, a little sympathetic, you and I both thought she was straight up horrible. Mm-hmm. So the, like, grand resolution to the familial issues, because clearly these siblings, like, this subset of the series is being completed, so they had to wrap up the familial problem with a bow. I found that very, like, okay. His yeah. mom sucks, and it's this easy. Whatever. Yeah, I was like, whatever. Uh, me too. I was like, whatever. But I ultimately didn't care. Like, in the scheme of this book, that is such a minor moment, but I just want to acknowledge that it was insufficient. Yeah. Uh, the ending, I loved it. I loved, I loved it. I loved how both of them solved their problems. Yep. And they talked about it with each other. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I just... I just really liked it. I just really, really liked it. It's great. I love that. Uh, are there any content notes? I mean, her parents blow. Her parents suck. Less intensely than they did in the last book. And then there's this one dude who's trying to seduce her, but she doesn't take it over the line. Yeah. So. I cannot think of a trigger warning. Unless you're scared of heights. <laughs> you're reading about people in hot air balloons is a problem for you. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the sex because this is a yes. book, guys. If you, <laughs> if you missed that part. Holy shit. I was like, I, I, I cannot get over the hot air balloon. Okay, first of all, the hot air balloon. But I just want to point out, like, there are two scenes in this book where he masturbates thinking of her. Because uh-huh. if there's not a reason to put them having sex on the page, somebody still has to come. Uh-huh. And these literally, uh, the buildup in this book, because there's always the thing that like the Chekhov's gun that you know is going to go off in some way. Uh-huh. And in this case, the Chekhov's gun was cunnilingus. Uh-huh. He literally thinks about going down on her constantly until he finally fucking gets to do it. Like 75% in. Like the moment that is usually like in a more chaste book, the hero and the heroine admitting they have feelings for each other is him finally going down on her. Oh my God. Guys. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. So yeah, I mean, they, they obviously are immediately attracted to each other and have been attracted to each other for a long time. But He's avoided been... her because she's the best friend's little sister, and she avoided him because she was intimidated into silence by his beauty slash the whole world. Ignore the character inconsistency. Anyway, now that she broke the seal by just being like, I'll help you out, but you have to do everything but it. <laughs> now they just can't stop thinking about each other, touching each other, kissing each other, masturbating to the thoughts of each other. 
And I also like props to Megan Frampton because so many romance novels would like bend over backward trying to come up with increasingly convoluted ways for them to be alone. Uh huh. And there's a scene where she just opens the front door and takes him up to her bedroom. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, yes, this, the hot air balloon was fun, but it wasn't necessary. You don't have to worry about, like, how they're going to get alone. Nope. Um, Also, there was a sex club. He takes her to a sex club because she wants to, not only does she, she, so she wants to do, like, sex stuff with him, but she also wants to go out and experience parts of London that she wouldn't normally experience. So he decides to combine the two. And take her to a sex club. And that is club, like one block from her house. <laughs> yes. And the sex club has a menu. Like an actual paper menu. <laughs> I was I loved it. It was just a real gift. And okay. In addition to the at the sex club, they order some stuff off the menu. She's not sure if she wants it. So they get, what do they call it? When they just come, it's like table service, right? Yeah. <laughs> they show you what they have so you can decide because you get to look at it. She gets to pick out the people. She's like, I want you guys to have sex in front of me. And, and it was then they interesting because it's not prostitution. Right. The patrons, it's like, Porn stars. Voyeurism. No, but like the career equivalent. It's the co- these, yes. The career equivalent for this with the workers in the sex club. They're less like prostitutes and more like porn stars. Right. It was hotter than I think I would have thought it was from here. I just want to disclose why we didn't put prostitution as a trigger warning. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe we should put that as a trigger warning. Sex work, I guess. And yeah, but not prostitution. Right. Um, again, not that there's a real distinction and all, like sex work is work and we're anti-discrimination, but obviously we've talked a lot about prostitution, especially in this time, often is a lot of coercion and like power disparity and imbalance. And our point is just that's not present here. That's exactly. Yes, that's exactly it. It didn't feel like that. And Anyway, this book is, like, wildly sexy. (laughs) Just, like, all of the eggplant emojis. (laughs) Every single one. (laughs) Just just all of them. All of them. And I I just want to say, again, like, Thomas is the, he's, like, the platonic ideal of the hero. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah. It was was a sex book. Sex book. And I was, like, blown away by the sex book. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it was incredible. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'd love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet. Goodreads, Instagram, our website, 